Wait, 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 hold up. We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today's date is February 22nd, 2021. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Steve. Steve. So, we're almost done February. This month went way faster. Yeah. Than, like, January felt almost a whole year. January was long. A little long. Very, very, a very long. long side, yes. Well... It is kind of it is nice to be in the studio today, just me and you. It seems like we have like Michael and Will, mm-hmm. and it's just like I'm ready for like a bro down. Yeah, because we we can get our banter <laughs> out of the way without uh, you know, having the like, hey, can you check this out first before we talk about it so you know we're getting our yeah, things exactly. in, you know. <laughs> but it's always good because we have the opportunity to inform the masses on obscure shit. It is kind of funny though when yeah, when he was like. Uh, when Will was like, yeah, I, I really like the new Lamb of God song. It's like, and this is why no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, you know, that's why I kind of brought it out there. Like, he is, in my opinion, like, Will is like, if... It's prototype radio, more radio friendly. Yeah, but like, if Will was an ice cream flavor, he'd be vanilla. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not even like cookies and cream. And not using even, that like, as like a descriptive word as well, you know, like yeah. very vanilla. Yeah. And like he's the, just, he's the prototype. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he enjoyed the new song more than the older stuff, it was like, okay. It is good to have him on though, because also too, it provides the understanding of what we're trying to get across from the party perspective of Exactly. Because like, again, that's why I thought it was funny when we showed him Cannibal Corpse, because that was like the same feeling I had when I showed it to my dad, when I was like, this is the music I'm into now, father, when I was like a small child and <laughs> my dad was like concerned for my This well-being. is the hoodie that I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that dude's face getting smashed with a hammer? You can't have this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in the past week, have you encountered anything new or interesting? Um, strangely enough, uh, no effects. Uh, reputable. I wouldn't say like satirical, but they're more of your uh, kind of jokier pop, you know, punk band. I mean, they're really part of like just that punk scene in general, but they are more. <sighs> Again, I think satirical is not the right word, but they're just not as sincere as, like I said, with like Bad Religion. But they're kind of yeah. like in that same realm. But they're coming out with a new kinda album like in a couple of days. And shit like that. Yeah, but they're not even as sincere as Rancid. Like, they're, some of their song titles and the things they talk about are very just, like, almost like Blink 182 joking around, but yeah. they're just more punk than Blink 182. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no effects, if you don't know them, I mean, you kind of should at this point. But either way, they're coming out with a new album on the 26th. It's simply entitled Single Album. Uh, two songs have come out as of this recording. One of them features Avenged Sevenfold. And you mentioned this, that they're a fan of NoFX, and yeah. I had no fucking clue that they, that they would have, even be a relation. For a band like Avenged Sevenfold, it is surprising the influences that they have and their favorite bands. Yeah. And it is it is weird. That first album, The Sounding of the Seven Tron, whatever it was called, um, does feature some phenomenal guitar work. I mean, that band was very talented, and then they went down this very, um, like, melodic, uh, harmonized, radio, yeah. core-ish realm that they entered in, and then I kind of, like, lost touch with them, but their first early work was actually really interesting. Like, Waking the Fallen. Yeah, and, I had a friend. Uh, City of Evil. Oh, oh yeah. I had a friend that was um, very into, like, cross-punk and, like, real... Like music that I was like typically prone to listen to, and he was a huge Avenged Sevenfold fan. Yeah. And what I knew of Avenged Sevenfold at the time was just very generic radio music that you heard. Like, uh, what was that one song that was always on the fucking radio? Afterlife. Oh, Afterlife. Afterlife. Yeah, yeah Afterlife was the big one. Um, Nightmare was like the most, yeah. Like that's more all I really knew one. of them. But then he would put on that that first CD, and I remember hearing it. 
And I was really impressed. Like, cause I'm, mm-hmm. again, like I'm one of those people that listen to bands regardless of the, you know, overhyped value that they have yeah. behind them and the fan base. It's just more so that if I hear something and I like it, especially when I don't know really what it is going into it and I just hear it yeah. and then I enjoy it. And then someone can tell me that it's a band that I typically said I didn't like. Yeah, now exactly. I'm challenged. Now I have to be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> fine, fuck it, I like them. My thing with bands like that is I always look for guitar players. Well, it doesn't matter whatever band, genre, or anything. I always look for guitar players. And for the longest time, I idolized Sinister Gates. Like, I was like, this fucking dude is the greatest guitar player ever. Very good. He's so good. And then they took that turn. And it's just like, like, if you listen to, like, like, Wake in the Fallen isn't really a good, ex- like, good, um, example of his guitar playing but city of evil is when he started coming into his own with his yeah. guitar playing he had his own signature sound like he, he was like it and then he just turned into like the you know he fell into the uh blackfield brides shit like that yes. it's like oh this is just a guitar he player smothered his talent a with a genre exactly it's like, almost dude, he's like, a classically um, trained guitar player it's like eddie van halen going to the studio and like listen i know i'm one of the best guitarists in the world but you have to hear this song it's called jump yeah. all right <laughs> This is going to be a smash hit. <laughs> it's going to feature some of my best guitar work ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was released to the public and people were severely disappointed. Exactly. True. But imagine having a career of just that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's a shame when people get uh, pigeonholed to a genre. Like, and- it's actually upsetting though, because Sinister Gates had the potential and the kind of like, uh, ability to be like this generation's like guitar god yeah you totally like we talk about it like there's no more guitar gods people aren't ridiculous like they're talking about like the jerk off from fucking radiohead being like a guitar god it's like not well the sad thing is is like a while ago i brought up that album that was coming out by john petrucci and more people should just know about the individual artists that are able to produce this level of talent exactly john petrucci releasing solo work He's not getting any marketing on the likes of, you know, Taylor Swift's new album coming out or, you know, any type of rock band that's still relevant. Like, ACDC's new album is going to get way beyond marketing than any other talented individual. Like, I, other than Ingve Malmsteen, what real guitarists still kind of stay in a spotlight of just being, you know, flashy and recognized just for talent? Not in a band, but just like that individual talent. None really. Honestly, I can't think of any like that since I don't know. Well, maybe since Sinister Gates. John Mayer. Yeah, but John Mayer's but different story though. For, like like for instance, like Guns N' Roses is a prime example for that. You go to see Guns N' Roses, but you're also going to see Slash. Exactly. You know, there's just like an aesthetic about the guitarist or whatever frontman may be in a band that's the focal point. You're seeing an act. Like honestly, the what I going back to uh, John Mayer, I put I've always thought of him as like this generation's Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, like commercially well known, but people only know the hits, and no one ever dives deep into the catalog. Really see the yeah. exactly yeah. like, dude. There's so much shit that John Mayer has done that no one has ever paid attention to, and they always fucking think of him as I don't know what. I think just I for face think value, Post Malone gets more credit for his talents on the guitar than John Mayer these days after that fucking Nirvana cover. Yeah, that he did. and it's just and that's the thing too, man. Post Malone's a fucking he, that dude's a fucking I'm uh, like a, a phony. I respect him for his influences, but I don't respect how he takes those influences and really tries to hammer it in that like yeah, like like he's almost doing it to impress people to know that. You know, you guys all like my hip hop, but you don't realize I like like almost using it as to be a exactly. hipster almost in his own realm. But the thing is, too, is that you can find videos of him playing guitar on YouTube and shit. And like he's played Cliffs of Dover and like he's a very good guitar player. Yeah. But it's like what we had talked about before, like dumbing down the public. Like, oh, yeah, you like Post Malone, but don't don't watch that video of him fucking playing Cliffs of Dover. Yeah, I Fuck know that. Look at this song he did with Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. And John Mayer, same thing. He just exactly. gets thrown into this splash of. I'm trying to think of like hits. the hits that he had. Like I, I can't name any off the top of my head. To like, be honest with you, for the longest time, John Mayer and Dave Matthews Band could play back to back, and I would have a really tough time figuring out who the fuck I was listening to. <clears throat> like I know John Mayer's got that song, like uh, "Wanna Run Through the Halls of My High School." Yeah. But I can't think of the other songs. Like there was a couple more that it's he irrelevant. Had. We're just getting to a point to know that. Yeah. We miss the guitar heroes of the world. Exactly. 
Well, speaking of guitar heroes, <laughs> this was not set up at all, but this is kind of funny. Yeah, this worked <laughs> out. If we looked at an A to Z, how we got here moment for this conversation, starting with no effects being my new and interesting, the, the hindsight would be fucking nuts. But anyway, though, newer interesting, you. Speaking of guitar gods or guitar heroes, the son of a guitar hero, those of you may know him as Eddie Van Halen's son, I know of him as Wolfgang Van Halen. <laughs> Who basically looks like your brother. Yeah, he looks like, if you have ever seen pictures of me and then you see pictures of him, it looks like we're related. Bottom line is, if they ever made a movie, you could 100% be hired as the stunt double. Maybe Eddie Van Halen's my dad. It's quite possible. You know, it, it could make sense. Stay tuned for Bill's 23andMe. <laughs> But um, Ancestry.com, here we come. At the time of this recording, last night, Wolfgang Van Halen played on the Jimmy Kimmel show. February 11th. Yes. Um, He played the song Distance, which, you know, you could take it or leave it. I'm personally not a giant fan. The music video is a tearjerker. But it's a decent song, nonetheless. Um, it's like, it's you could hear it at a Kmart. It could be playing exactly. just as comfortable... F- Easy listening. Or like in a big corporate building's elevator. El- uh, perfect. Elevator music. Perfect. That's a topic right there. Elevator music. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he did the song on Jimmy Kimmel and, you know, it was really good. It was his first, like, live TV performance not in Van Halen. And you can see, like, how nervous he was, like, until like, it kicked in. And honestly, dude, I can't wait for this album to come out. It's scheduled to come out in April. Um, there's already two songs released. One's called You're to Blame, which I, I've showed you that before. Mm. And um, I think it's better than Distance. But then again, I've also heard that from sources that the best shit on the album hasn't been released yet. That's always the hope. And dude, you know, like with the, the, um, the pedigree that he comes from and there's no way that it's going to be bad. The thing about it, it is be. I'm glad that he's done. Um, cause I mean, it goes any hand in hand and we'll talk about this another day with relatives of very famous individuals exactly. and that step into the same path. Mm-hmm. You know, sports is another example of the same thing. Everybody has this expectation of you because of who your parent was, your exactly. father was. Um, so it's good that he's kind of getting himself out there to separate himself. He's not releasing Van Halen tunes. No, he's not shredding not like, like his father, but he's setting the tone for himself to know like this is what to expect. Exactly. And the sad thing is... For his sake, it's really sad because a lot of his fan base is going to stem from what happened. And people are going to phase out because I think you go into it expecting like, oh, it's Eddie Van Halen's son. We might get a reunion or we might get more songs similar. But you have to take that out of the fucking equation immediately. Exactly. Because he's not playing those types of songs. No. And, you know, he was in Van Halen. He got his fill of that shit. Yeah. But, you know, he's also his own person with his own, you know, inspirations and... Talents, you know, I mean, talents, yeah. fucking different influences. Like, granted, Van Halen's probably a big influence, but I would, <laughs> I would hope so. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could just hear, like, there's, like, heart and soul in this kind of shit. Um, like I said, I'm excited for the rest of it to come out. And if he plays as good as he did on Kimmel, I think everyone's going to be in for a good time. Yeah. He sounded good live. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, where I, the two songs that were released, I'm not... I wouldn't say I don't like them. I would just say that it's not something where I would put it on a playlist and exactly. listen to it with like the rest of my music. But if it came song. on the radio... I, it wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't feel the need to change it. Exactly. certain songs that you'll hear on the fucking radio for the millionth time that just... Maybe, you know, I I don't want to sound like cliche or, or uh, you know, kind of putting this forward or anything, but... Wolfgang Van Halen could be this generation's guitar hero. He could. Could you imagine that? That would be really fucking cool. Two generations of guitar heroes. That would be fucking back to great. Back. That'd I be think, fucking insane. But that's why I always relate it back to sports because then you get a you know like I think about the Manning family, Archie Manning, then Peyton Manning comes in the league, then Eli yeah. Manning comes in the league. Now they're you know one of the grandsons of Archie Manning, one of the guys' son. He's also in they're college football. A dynasty that expectation, and it's cool to carry that torch to always have that that name. So to have another Van Halen. As something to look forward to. Yeah. Who's, you know, relatively young and still prospering in his career and he's, moving in that direction. He's only a few months older than you. Yeah, no. That's his birthday's in March. I mean, I'm basically done, like, prime-wise. Like, I'm on the down slope. <laughs> I get out of bed, I grunt. I grunt to get out of bed. You know, to sit funny. down, I do, ugh. 
You know, it's funny. I read a book a while ago, you know, because all of us have dreams and aspirations of being rock stars. And this book kind of, it was like how to succeed in the music industry. I remember I went to the library and read it and all this other shit. And I've always had this theory because I read this book that at age 24, if you have not made it into the music industry, you're done. Done. Don't even attempt because it's over. And you know what happened the day I turned 24? I was like, I'm done being a band. That's it. That's when you done. invested in the See career ya. path. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a mechanic now. Because that's the funny thing, though, about that age. Because even after I passed the 24, 25, and you know, yeah. music, obviously, at that point for me, I mean, my life was in a, a different place at that age. Yeah. I was facing other certain circumstances <laughs> where my age didn't really fucking matter at that you point. You were trying to succeed in other industries. <laughs> I was trying to succeed in other industries. <laughs> the entrepreneurship of uh, self-sustainment. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even around that time, because... Then you think about like actors and actresses and the whole industry of art. Most of these yep. people already had connections early on. Some of them do start later, but music, yep. it's very rare that you see a new and successful artist that's in their 30s, that's in their yeah, late 20s. Country music is the only place where you see yeah, that. Yeah, it does happen. It's not impossible. But at that point, it's if you likely. don't even have connections, yeah. you know, I mean, it's with the way music industry is now, like anybody can write a song and put it out in the ether. Like, honest to God, like, the, I think the main reason on why he is as successful as he has been oh. so far, first off, because of his name, but second off, because he's got, like, one of the greatest managers in music, Irving Azoff. Of course. I mean, that's, again, marketing and connections. Yep. I mean, that is really what's going to separate you above the rest. That's why a lot of bands, even as successful as they are through cult following, that's why I give them a lot of credit, because they did it without that fucking assistance. They exactly. just went out and put out art. Didn't have anybody broadcasting it to the airwaves. Instead, they made a name through themselves through shows, through interaction, through personal relations. Yep. Because um, even with like what we do, I mean, pay this money and we'll get you ten thousand more followers for what? So we can look like exactly. we're reputable. Like I like the idea of growth. I get why it has to come to that point at times when mm-hmm. you want to make something into a success. You have to put in the work and you exactly know, you know spend money to make money type attitude. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, I give a lot of credit to people that are able to do it personally. And again, you know, for Wolfgang, having that support already in place is great. And it's also great that he's not trying to carry that torch that everybody expects. Exactly. He's not trying important. to recycle or regurgitate. Yeah. Which I wouldn't, I, 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 I tend to hate that. Yeah. It would be know? ingenuine for him to do that. Very much so. Because, you know, he's not Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's making it very obvious that is, he yeah. doesn't want to be compared to his dad. Yeah, and it's good that he's doing what he wants to do, and if you like it, you like it, and if you exactly. don't, you don't. And if you're following it because of whose relation is, all the more power to him. Exactly. You know. Now, another new and interesting, um, I watched the show Letter Kenny. Yes. A lot of people don't get it. My wife doesn't get it. She thinks it's the stupidest shit on fucking well, I've like ever trailer watched. Park Boys. Exactly. Every, yeah, it's he, just it's Canadian love humor. Hate. Yeah. Love or hate. Like the Canadian humor is like like I've like I've always had this thing like I don't find like UK humor really funny like I just see don't. I'm I'm I like it all huge Monty Python fan I, I love dude. the BBC series like I mean you know like I don't like you know I don't want you to start fucking nitpicking my credibility with movies no, no, no. but I can I couldn't get through Monty Python's and the Holy Grail don't blame you that's I, another I that's get, the same thing so when you I talk about people it. not liking Letterkenny and Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. It's the same idea with those types of films. Because I either show somebody it and they think it's hilarious, yeah. or others and they fucking hate it. There's yeah, no, dude, no it's, it's, all right. I just never got into it. I never saw the hype with it. Like, UK and English, British humor. It's like, hit or miss with me. Like I find the some, Office UK, yeah. couldn't get into it. My thing is, is I have an uncle that, uh, I mean, he's from England. Oh, he was okay. a Geordie, my... Aunt, who was my sister, or my my mom's sister, actually met him in England. Oh, shit. They had their first kid, my cousin Glenn, in, you know, in England. So he's technically not not a U.S. citizen and was born. Um, But again, being there, like, that's what I had, you know. Exactly. You're at your grandmother's house, Judge Judy's on, or, you know, Law and Order or something. He had, you know, British (laughs) broadcasting on. Next thing you know, you have a... A poster of Mari Povich on your wall. That's what happens. That's how it goes. <laughs> but um, speaking of Letter Kenny, I'm on uh, season eight. I forget the episode number, but um, I heard the song at the end of the episode, and I was like, "Man, this is really fucking good." Like, the, like I was surprised, you know, because it's always like goofy, like techno shit that's on there, or, yeah. like just like goofy shit that doesn't make any sense. 
I heard the song. I instantly looked it up. The band's called Pissed Jeans, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, anyone that put a fucking name like that, it's insane. Um, turns out they're signed to Sub Pop Records. Uh, Sub Pop, yeah, Sub Pop Records, uh, uh, most notably known for signing Nirvana. Of course. Um, the song's called Secret Admirer, and the album's called Hope for Man. I listened to the album. I thought the album was fucking cool, too. Yeah. But that song, Secret Admirer, when I heard it, I was like, man, this is really cool. So if you have the opportunity, check it out. That's the importance of soundtracks. I always am a firm believer in that because think about how many songs you found just because you heard it in a TV show, heard it in a fucking movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Because when you sent it to me to listen to, and like I said, I started listening to it. After I had watched Trailer Park Boys probably for the thousandth time, I was watching it with somebody and then that was the first thing they did was recommend me Letterkenny and I'd never heard of it. So obviously when I had played that song, I remember having that same instant feeling when I heard it. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty cool. But I never looked it up. I like lost track and like didn't remember to do it. Yeah. And then you sent it to me and I was like, like I I knew that from somewhere, but it was so (laughs) deep in the abyss of my fucking brain. Yeah. I was like, where did it's I like hear when this I heard from? fucking Super Heaven Jar and yeah, I knew the dude, words. You knew it. Yeah, that's so weird, dude. <laughs> yeah, what got me in the letter, Kenny, was that first cold open from the first episode of the first season. Um, when uh, Riley and Riley and Jonesy, the two hockey players, show up on the at the fucking stand, and oh, they're yeah. like, uh, "What was it?" Um, I'm trying to think of what it was. Like, uh, like, like Jesus Christ! Look at that treasure trail. Like, oh, on his stomach. Yeah, and then um, there was like the one. It's like, oh, nice onesie. Does it come in men's? Yeah, I bet you like to come in men for enough for all of us. Yeah, how about you come say it to my? (laughs) No, and he's like, how about you come in my? How about you say it to his face, you fucking hick? Yeah, (laughs) like dude, that That clip. I actually saw that portion of the show is what got me to watch the show. Yeah, a clip of that, dude. I thought it was the funniest shit ever. Fucking humor. It's yeah. like Beavis and Butthead. I think our brains from Beavis and Butthead are fried to the point where we just laugh at the most like offensive, dumb, doesn't make sense shit. Yeah. Like South Park. You watch South Park early on, yeah. it's just dumb fucking humor that's just like, you can't resist it. Exactly. But like that, like I said, dude, that fucking first episode, that first season, like yeah. that fucking part was just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Um. <sighs> What are you gonna do with those shades, big shoots? Are you are you going out to the beach? Are you gonna play WorldStarPoker dot com or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What was it? Uh, you take your take your shirt off, but leave your sunglasses on. Yeah, <laughs> that fucking show is so funny. Yeah, it's a good show. <laughs> on this day in music history. On this day in music history, February twenty second, nineteen eighty nine. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, a.k.a. Will Smith, for those of you that don't know. Will Smith did have a career before Men in Black. Uh, they win the first ever rap Grammy for Best Rap Performance for Parents Just Don't Understand. Their comic tune built from the I Dream of Genie theme song. You know, parents are the same no matter time or place. <laughs> Dude, I, I love that song. Did we even bring him up? What, for Best Rappers? No. <laughs> no, when we did the uh, the artists with movies. No, we didn't. I was thinking about that after we recorded. I'm like, that was the one I thought we would talk about. That's what I thought Will's going to go for, the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny. It is weird that we never brought him up. Well, I guess it's because, I at this point, dude, his Obvious movie enough. career has overshadowed his 100%, music dude. career Not by even, the fucking yeah. eons. Yeah, if you're, you know... Ask anybody, like, hey, you know Will Smith, that the first thing they say is with the rapper? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, think about (laughs) it, though. There was one point where it would be like, you know Will Smith? Oh, getting jiggy with it? That's what I'm saying. But, But like, that time is long since passed. If you're asking that, (laughs) Now it's like, oh, you know Will Smith? Oh, the dude from Gemini Man? Yeah. Or, you know, the the guy from fucking, uh, (laughs) the guy from, oh, the dude from Suicide Squad. He was in Suicide Squad. (laughs) Yeah. Like any movie that it's like, I wish he didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> Gemini, man. I, uh, would you say that wasn't any good? It, I I take it I, as a I'm, no. I'm in this position with movies that just feel like they've already been done a thousand times. Fast well, and the Furious with, is like the Bruce blueprint Willis. for me. I know, that's what I'm saying. Fast and the Furious is like the blueprint for me. of just like overdone action and yeah. shocking moments. Explosions. Like Michael, we brought him up, Michael Bay movies, dude. 
Like, like when South Park brought him in when they were trying to figure out how to deal with the terrorists and they were asking yeah. Michael Bay and he just basically described a plot. He's like, they get a building and blow it up and then you get robots coming in. And they're like, no, Mr. Bay, we need we need plans here on how we're going to deal with the terrorists. All right, all right. So you get a building and it's robot. And he kept doing the same thing over and over. And like, this is so spot on. Um, in the same year of 1989, um, also very, very heavy band with their eccentric flute solos, Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson won their first Grammy for best hard rock metal performance, beating out Metallica. This, um, it's well, funny cause when I first got into Metallica, this was one of the things before the Napster shit that was like controversial of yeah. their career. And I, and I, it's funny cause I mean, Jethro Tull, if you listen to them and to put this in perspective, uh, your father-in-law recommended Thick as a Brick. Yes. So that's the playing field we have with Jethro Tull. Mm-hmm. Jethro Tull, however, does have some hard rock songs. You yeah. Call them. The fact that they were in a category together says two things to me. What the fuck happened to Metallica that you're getting compared to Jethro Tull? And how the fuck is Jethro Tull outbeating Metallica for a hard rock metal performance? But that also brings into play how bullshit the Grammys are. Well, I mean, that's that was... Well, dude, we're talking 1989 here. Metallica was nominated for the best hard rock metal performance for one. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about fucking Injustice for All. Yeah, because it was interesting. I mean, you figure best hard rock metal performance, you're comparing Crest of the Nave... Mm. And Injustice for All. Arguably, in my opinion, the heaviest Metallica album. And then this is where it goes to the say... The epitome of heavy metal. If you had a fan vote for this, mm. and you were bringing it to genre-based fans for hard rock, heavy metal... Yes. I don't even think, even if you added the classic rock fan base of what Jethro told, because Crest of the Nave is never one of the... F- I'll go to Thick as a Brick and Aqua long before Crest of the Nave. So that album, to me, wasn't even standalone value to even get close to Injustice for All, especially in that yeah. category. But yeah, that's just another reminder of how fucking corporate... And it's also fucked up, are. too, because Metallica did the performance of one on the Grammys I, yeah, that was, year, yeah. and it was fucking tight. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, it's but, also the first album, too, that they're releasing without, you know, Cliff. I mean, it was just a lot behind yeah. that album, how anticipated it was. It makes Well, it just shows you how underground at the time Metallica really was and how undervalued they were as a band. Yeah. But it also showed you the turning point on where they were about to become one of the most commercially successful hard rock acts of all time. Maybe we could say that this was the reason Metallica caught their hair and went the direction they did. They realized, like, fuck, <laughs> what we're doing, we still can't win over Jethro Tull. Yeah. We have to slightly conform, but not 100%. Well, no, they didn't, cut, they didn't cut their hair yet. At it this was point. coming. Yeah, it was coming. But I'm saying this was the triggering moment that led to the spiral. To well, this is where James fucking low. did the whole Fu Manchu. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, he was still pretty fucking cool then. You know yeah, I mean? James was probably the coolest. The early days ever of the Black Album were pretty fucking dope. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But that's what I'm saying. Like, that, this is when the seed was planted. Oh, yeah. You know? Because <laughs> yeah. then after the Black Album, like, we fucking got it. Let's keep this shit up, put it in full gear. They're like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes load. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Three years later, in 1992, however, when the Red Hot Chili Peppers perform Under the Bridge on Saturday Night Live, their guitarist, John Frusciante, sabotages the song, playing unevenly and screaming into the microphone during his background part. His frustrations lead him to quit the band in May. I believe there's substance abuse issues involved with this, right? 100%. Yeah, John Frusciante, um, when he first got in the band, obviously, Anthony Keyes had drug problems. Um, John Frusciante jumped on that wagon. He was all over the place. After he left uh, the Chili Peppers, he (laughs) embarked on a solo career. And they like, dude, if you see the interviews with him... It's bad. It looks like they went into any fucking dope house in Camden and found the first white guy that's been homeless out oh, for the past God. decade. He looks horrible, dude. Horrible. And if you look at pictures when he first joined the band, young, he was you know fit, he looked yeah. healthy. Um, but yeah, he. I mean, there was drug issues involved in that. But it's cool because now he's back in the band, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, again, Red Hot Chili Peppers still are making music. Yeah. They did stuff with the dude from... Um, what the fuck's the name of that band? Alkaline Trio. Or not, not Alkaline Trio. What the hell's the name of the dude that joined fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, Klinghoffer. Yeah, Mark. Wait, what? Josh Klinghoffer. Was it? 
That, that was the guitar player, but yeah. what was he in? Alkaline Trio was a dude who joined with Blink-182. That's why I get them mixed up. Yes. Alkaline Trio was Blink-182. Yeah, it's the guy who went to Blink-182. Josh Klinghoffer, however, Gnarls Barkley, PJ Harvey. Oh, he was a session artist, yeah. Back, Butthole Surfers. Yeah, Black Keys. Okay. Um, But no, it is interesting to know with John being back in the band. I mean, he's one of the reasons that Red Hot Chili Peppers are who they are. I mean, he's oh, yeah. always been such a he's, unique guitarist. Yeah, he's and, intricate to their sound. But him during this time, man, I mean, like you talked about that story when you saw Scott Weiland, Stone Temple Pilots, and he was just like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, John Bad. at this point was... Uh, I'm so mad I saw them at that point in time. Yeah. Like, I mean, at least I could say I saw Scott Weiland in person, yeah. but I would have much rather saw Chester Bennington or even fucking... Uh, uh, John or Jeff Gut, whatever the fuck his name is, the new guy. It was that bad, dude. I'm telling you, that's a shame too. Because if you, you look hit, it up, dude. dude. STP live when Wylan was on was just oh, dude, amazing. Look at their unplugged, so good, very underrated. Yep. 1997, the beloved Spice Girls conquer America as their debut single "Wannabe" hits number one. This fucking song, dude. <laughs> you know, I have a sister that's three years older. I have a cousin that's around. Oh, the same this was probably flowing through the house. Fr- this and Britney Spears, you couldn't yeah. fucking get away from it, dude. And it was funny because, as a, you know, when I was, I mean, 97, I was about to be six when this came out. Um, you know, at that age, anything that sticks to you, you fucking listen to. Oh, yeah. You know, anything that just gives you a fucking melody to remember. And this song, because of how often it was on to this day. I mean, it's just an unforgettable piece of music. That was that's so funny though. If you think about that era, the boy bands and the group projects and stuff like that, of just how, like, it's almost like a glimpse of history. It feels like it came and went so fucking fast because that that was such a trend that I thought was just that's music. Yeah, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Spice Girl. That's fucking music. That's it. What was it? Ninety eight degrees. Jesus. Yeah, ninety eight degrees. Like every LFO. Was, yeah. Oh, LFO. God damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, that song, man. Holy fuck. Off this album, Spice. I was more of a uh, say you'll be there. Yeah. Fan. Like, I, yeah. Giving you everything. I mean, the whole like, album dude, though, was song. like just. A, I mean, that's all everybody tried to do back then was just make the biggest fucking hit. Basically, that was the the Bee Gees of the time. Oh yeah. You know how many fucking hits can we put out? Yep. You know, Ginger Spice is my first crush. It's weird, Baby Spice. I had a poster of, which really? is ironic because I'm more of a scary spice dude. You know, she's like in hindsight, like that's probably who I should have been with. But yeah. like for some reason, Baby Spice was the one that I had a fucking it was the blonde. I thought it was like so cool. Like back then, if you caught, you know, the cover of a Playboy magazine, you were the fucking man. Yeah. So to have like a Baby Spice poster up. I mean, <laughs> I'm fucking cool as shit, dude. <laughs> I'm going to date her one day. I'm like yeah. six years old. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to date her. Yeah. <laughs> fucking six. <laughs> Didn't uh, have email back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping forward here to 2012, five months after debuting the song in her native Canada, Carly Rae Jepsen releases the single "Call Me Maybe" in America. This fucking song, with the help from a video of Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, and other tween celebs lip syncing to the song, it rises up the charts and becomes a worldwide hit. In the U.S., it is the song of the summer. Topping the Hot 100 on June 23rd and staying until August 25th. So over a month. Don't get me wrong, dude. When this song first came out, I, I listened to it a couple times. I was like, eh. the the chorus was catchy. Um, yeah, this song, dude. It was again. We talk about like Spice Girls. Yeah. This era of music did the same thing. There was just so yep. many artists that just had this quick glimpse of superstardom. Rebecca Black with Friday. Oh my God. Yo, mm-hmm. she actually was on Tosh.0 not that long ago. Really? Oh yeah, because she apparently, like all the death threats and shit she got, so they brought her on there and they did like a remix uh, of the song, him and The Web Redemption or whatever Yeah, it, it was pretty fucking cool because it was <laughs> fairly funny. recent, so you got to see what she looks like. Um, and she's actually extremely talented, which was interesting. Oh really? But she looks totally different. I mean, oh. yeah, totally different. You wouldn't expect her to look what she looked like. But, no, it's this this song particularly, but the word that was used is what I was looking at, um, tween celebs. Yeah. Did you know we're living in the tween times? <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> Guess it's that period between 2009 and 2013. <laughs> they call it the tweens. <laughs> 
Is that Stevie Ray Vaughan? No. Nah. That's Steamy that's Ray Vaughan. Steamy Ray Vaughan. That's that fella just gets up there and shits his britches. It's like a britches holocaust. <laughs> yeah, that, I asked that, that uh, Six Days Till Air, man, that thing was so fucking funny. It was good, wasn't it? So good. Um, but uh, as soon as you read that, I had to look that up. Call it the tweens. <laughs> like that whole video he does with, uh, what's his fucking face that records with him? Bill Hader. Bill Hader, dude. So. He just gets up on that stage. What fur? Like, <laughs> what fur? <laughs> God, I, I don't know how those guys do it, dude. Six days to error. Crying. <laughs> Redux, R-E-T-M-P, coming soon. Yeah, crying, dude. <laughs> uh, five years later, last day here in music history, 2017, long-time Blink-182... Oh, it's ironic, we just kind of talked about those yeah. relevance in some way. Long-time Blink-182 frontman Tom DeLonge receives the UFO Researcher of the Year Award at the International UFO Conference Congress. First of all, I didn't even know that fucking existed. No. I was not aware. However, I'm not totally shocked by this, obviously, because we know Tom DeLong's, you know, stance on... Uniqueness, we can call it. Yeah, the extraterrestrial, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, which brings me to the discussion that I think we need to address. And this has been a long time coming. because Aliens? Almost. Okay. They probably are, though, just the way they act. <laughs> we aren't sure if they're of this world. Um, so me and you, we could say we're metal fans, right? Yes. Okay. You know, you listen to a lot of good music. I listen to a lot of good music. At yes. some points in time, we're sharing music. It's always about the interest of getting somebody interested in music. Exactly. The term elitist, right? We talked about hipster culture. You know, we talked about toxic fan bases. Mm-hmm. But then you have the elitist group of individuals. Us being metal fans is probably, honestly, where I see it exposed the most. 100%. Let's give a little backstory here for our fans. A few weeks ago, the band Acid Bath, right? Yeah. You'd never heard of them, Bill. No, I've never heard but of Acid Bath. But you're a huge fan of metal. Yes. Huge fan. And I, I've seen that. I've been friends with you for quite some time. You know, the music we've listened to, the music we've shared, it's obviously relevant that metal is a genre of choice for you. Yes. So Acid Bath, I discovered because of me being a metal fan and just doing my own research and related artists and subgenre, blah, 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 went down this rabbit hole, yeah. found them. Album cover was very, you know... Provocative. Explicit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So I listened to the band and they were very good. And from time to time, I bring them up to certain people that I think it'll be relevant to. And they listen to them and then they like them and so on and so forth. Yes. So I actually recommended them. Prior to that episode coming out, um, I follow this page on Instagram and they posted an acid bath album. And I commented on it calling the album underrated. This turned into a fucking shit show of apparently me getting ripped for calling acid bath an underrated band because every <laughs> single metalhead knows them and my mom listens to them and if you think they're underrated you probably don't even like metal and and i just it again it's on the internet so i don't even waste the time but it is funny continuing to poke the bear so yeah. you know i do my little back and forth you know i just kind of basically say more shit that i know is going to instigate conversation and create feedback yeah the one individual particularly uh, I'm not going to give his release total name out there, but let's just call him Josh for the episode. <laughs> Josh commented on it saying all this bullshit. Josh ironically turns around a few days later and likes my acid bath recommendation right after ripping me for, you know, not liking them and calling me a fake fan and all this bullshit. <laughs> Lo and behold, Josh, you know, long story short, is just an acid bath fan page. This guy is just That's all basically, he does. you know, taking it up the ass for the band and just trying to, you know, exploit them <laughs> at any possible cost. It's probably all he talks about. You know, job interview, what are your special talents? I run an acid bath fan page. <laughs> so when I think about this as an elitist culture, I listen to some fucking music. Yes. That, you know, if I talk metal to somebody, I could rattle off 10 bands off the top of my head that I know somebody hasn't listened to just to shame them for not being a real metalhead. Yeah, exactly. But I don't do that because my thing is, is like pulling back the layers of an onion. I had a friend never listen to death metal. I started off with punk rock music to relate to his grunge aesthetic. You know, I took that into thrash. Thrash ultimately became more of like a core aspect of it. And then all of a sudden this dude stumbles upon death. And loved it. You know, it's like you set the bar in motion. Exactly. So for you, I wanted to ask you, you know, the elitist culture, do you feel 
that it's toxic and that it could potentially turn people away from music. Yes. Now, the way I've always seen elitism, that's what it is, right? Well, yeah. If it's not, it's a word now. Elitism? We're using it. We coined it here on RITMP. Trademark. Um, I've always seen it, and even funny enough, I've always seen it in the core genres. Yeah, that's another one that I've seen it too. Yeah, yeah. so like the, the metal, fucking death metal, like heavy metal purists will always bash on the cores. 100%. Not really hardcore so much, but you know, like metal core, death core, uh, math core, grindcore to an extent a new the newer version the newer, of grindcore yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so you'd always have these guys ripping on it now you have those core guys ripping on their own people ripping on their own people <laughs> when like they they are they're already getting ripped on like as is the way i've always seen it dude and the way i've always attributed with heavy metal is the sam dunn metal headbangers journey it's just one big-ass family tree. It all stems from somewhere. Oh, yeah. At one point or another, and I forget who had said it before. Eh. I think it might have been, like, Dimebag Daryl or fucking somebody, but they're like, every heavy metal riff you've ever heard, some way, shape, or form, has already been written by Tony Iommi in Black Sabbath. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. Like, it just all... Goes into this tree. I've never understood the elitism or, you know, whatever. I've never understood it, ever. Well, this is the term where I get pissed because the idea of underrated. Yes. Right? So, black metal is one of the genres that... uh, It pisses me off now because it's become more of a hipster culture genre. Because I know some people listen to it just to say they listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people that will rip on somebody for listening to it because that's why they think they're listening to it. Like, oh, you're just listening because it's, like, different and weird and... Grant, there's some bands that I don't fucking like, but there are some bands that I thoroughly enjoy enough to go out and buy their merchandise. Um, But then I use that term underrated, you know, specifically talking about acid bath, because my first reaction is you go and ask 20 metalheads that grew up in the 90s when acid bath was a prominent act for their respective culture. Mm -hmm. And you go and ask them, all 20 of them from all over the, you know, the world, if they know Pantera. More than likely, 20 out of 20 will say, fuck yeah. Yeah. Guarantee you at least 50% of that population has not heard of Acid Bath. But they've heard of Metallica. I've never heard of Acid Bath. Exactly. But you know the critically acclaimed bands. The bands that never won anything of merit in terms of Oscars or fucking Grammys. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you think of huge stage awards. But they've been on the radio. They've had their music videos played. Things like that. Acid Bath is not falling into that fucking category. No. So when you have somebody, you know, and they're internet, you know, people, that's the way, I mean, it's basically I'm talking to a robot, the dude was a fan page. Yeah. But that's the problem with music, because when we go back to the whole t-shirt thing, you see someone wearing a t-shirt and they don't even know the fucking band. That's when it's a problem. But if that person knows two or three songs, yeah, your first reaction is like, oh, you got a Misfit shirt on, you always show on, you know, is, you know, dig up her bones. At least it's a fucking start. Exactly. But, you know, you're not just wearing the merchandise because you thought it looked cool. You have some respect for what you're wearing the exactly. shirt for. But then you get those fucking people, man, that are like, How I don't dare f- you. Yeah. You gotta like, go kill yourself like crazy you, shit. There's yeah. this fucking chick on TikTok that wore like a Ride the Lightning shirt or Injustice for All shirt. And these people started fucking ripping on her, right? These like metal elitist guys and they started ripping on yeah. her. But then she posts a fucking TikTok video of her fucking playing the solo to fade to black. That's perfect. Dude, like she just fucking rammed it right up their ass. Yeah, it was great. amazing. But that's the problem though. You don't get many situations like that where it actually happens. Yeah. I forget her name and I'll have to show you the video, but it's just funny because like she's doing like the normal TikTok yeah. bullshit. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, you fucking kill yourself. I bet you don't even know any Metallica songs. And I was, like, trying to refrain from ever having to have this discussion because I tend to be one of those individuals. No, you? No way. You know, I mean, no way. Sometimes. Get the it, fuck it depends, out of here. Not you, know? you. It depends. Like, if I catch someone drinking Johnny Black, I'd be like, you should have been drinking Johnny Blue. And I have to go on this whole story. That's basically what I say when someone's like, yo, did you hear the new Mayhem album? Like, does not even Mayhem. Fucking I'll never forget the time. Hieronymus right? died years ago. <laughs> I'll never forget the time where I gave you Children of Bodom Skeletons in the Closet because I thought I was so fucking cool. I went and bought this covers album that they did. And you're like, this fucking sucks. 
And I was I like, think but, but, I, but, 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 I had, that, I had that CD in my car for quite some time and yes. popped it in maybe for a split second and been like, what am I fucking doing here? It, it was, you know, for what it was, it was, a, it was a pretty cool concept. But here was the thing, though. I never once totally bashed it to a point where I didn't like. No, I you didn't bash it. You bashed me. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> this is the thing, though. This is where it becomes toxic because, again, it's still the opportunity to describe why and expand on the fan base and some find some sort of fucking unity to yeah. keep someone involved in the genre. Because you get newer people that are into it, and it's the same thing with movies. You know, someone brings up a movie I've never seen before. There are some that you should know. Yes. You know, if someone I ask and they say they're a metal fan, I'm like, oh, okay, have you listened to Vulgar Display of Power? And they say no. Then it's like, what the, what the fuck are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, it's like, okay, then what are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, you know, if you're a huge movie fan, you can cut this out. If you say, have you seen Coming to America? And they say no, it's like, well, what the fuck? Well, I think more of a realistic approach to the movie thing would be like, have you seen Goodfellas? Yeah. Have you seen Jurassic Park? Jurassic, Yeah. There's like, plenty of you know, them. Like, E.T., you know? Exactly. Are you, like, you're a huge horror movie fan? Oh, have you seen Halloween, John Carpenter's original? No. like You you don't understand The Shining? Yeah, you know. But again, with music, like I said, I drew the line the moment that I couldn't call Acid Bath underrated. Now it's like you're looking for ways to make yourself seem, you know, that just that upper echelon of you know this is this is just skimming the surface like exactly. what else do you listen to that you could consider more underrated than that by a stretch enough to call them like what you're saying they're overrated are you saying they're right where they should be because <laughs> acid bath obviously never got the fucking recognition they deserved in my opinion which is what i was trying to establish maybe he took offense to it i couldn't believe it i, I, I don't was know. just because I, I again i think of a lot of the bands that i listen to even death can be considered underrated yes. by its merit due to the fact that they are just almost folklore legend in what they establish for a genre. Mm-hmm. But in terms of commercialized success and wealthy gain and everything a band was able to achieve in notoriety, death did not hit where Metallica hit. No. Death did not hit where Black Sabbath hit. Maybe even more of like a like an overshadowed type deal will be like, testament compared to metallica 100 percent, or overkill compared to metallica 100 percent. exodus even exodus yeah, yeah. you know exodus and then you talk about like cannibal corpse has more recognition than death in terms of the generic yes overrated death metal construct mm-hmm. death you know you could say they're overrated and, and again when we talk about bands like acid bath in particular of bands that don't get that recognition where you just know them by name you yes. just know them by band members and everything else because they've been all over the place in terms of going back to what we were saying, marketing, connections, exposure. Yep. Um, and it's just Elitism. Funny. That's it, it, what it is. Elite, what did you say the first time? Elitism. So it's elitism. Elitism. Oh, you added the tist. Tistism. Yeah, elitism. Tistism. That sounds like a fucking ball cancer type. I got the tistism. Elitism. That's that's the correct word that we're looking for. Yeah. And the, the good thing about this is what though, is elite? What is elitism? Wait, tistism. Uh, t- <laughs> I'll take what is elitism for four hundred, Alex. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's a really a shame because with that type of you know culture in its sense, then you look at the metal genres, for, you know, specifically. Mm-hmm. Even the hip hop genre now has that ridiculous nature with I saw this interview with 50 Cent um, and Snoop Dogg and they Mm. were talking about this new wave of mumble rap coming out and this was made years ago where before like Migos and Lil Uzi Vert Lil Pump and all these guys have really set this trend of this mumble rap you know genre and even my nephews what they listen to right Mm. I remember I got in the car with them I had this hip hop mix um, and I want to say Nas was like the first thing that come on and my nephew, who's, you know, gamer tag is related to Juice World, you know, his hair, he looks like Juice World basically. Yeah. Heard it come on and almost had this whole, like, what is this? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like had no clue of the roots to understand, but then would discuss hip hop with me as this particular hip hop that has this real strong fan base that's now the modern thing is what's the wave and. You know, it's like with slang, it's the way kids talk, it's all yeah. these different things that you have to present this attitude as like almost better than just because of what you're familiar with. So I guess to kind of wrap this up here, I want to take this into like a more controversial approach. What 
would you consider to be the biggest point of you being an elitist towards something? Like, uh, do you have, because I have one, do you have a particular time to where you have shamed somebody because they, 100%. Yeah? Movies. No, I meant like music. Well, like, to like pull out an individual band. Oh, an individual band? Yeah. Oh, Burzum. Okay. Burzum sucks now because Burzum has a really fucking terrible uh, relation now because Vargas is like a super racist like nut. <laughs> um, but the music, for the longest time, I was in the Dark Throne. I got into Mayhem's earliest shit. Mayhem obviously has a relation through Varg to Burzum. Hmm. And they're such a weird fucking band where I listen to them in the same way I'll listen to like an orchestra or a symphony. Like I'm I'm doing something. I don't need to be too invested in the music. It won't distract me from what I'm doing. Yeah. And Burzum can play in the background because they have like 15 minute tracks. It's a lot of it's just noise and shit. And so I'll talk to somebody that'll be into like a Mortals new album or Behemoth's new album. Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, so you're a black metal fan. You got to check this out. And they'll call it like garbage. And then that's that's when it comes out. You don't fucking like black metal. You don't know black metal. And I'll fucking go down the history of how it started. I'll get into the fucking roots of it, the Norwegian scene, the Swedes. I'll, I, I bring it all out, dude. Um, but Burzum is usually that root one because they're, they're the, like the hard... Them and Mayhem, they're just like the hardest ones. Like Dissection, I could show someone Dissection. A lot easier to digest. Yeah. But Bursum, I will use that all the time as my trump card. Like, oh, you like black metal? Okay. Let's see. Here you go. <laughs> now, Here's Philosophem. Let's see what you got. Now, I'll never say that I like that black metal is one of my favorite genres. However, I do really enjoy like Demu Borgir. And That's what I'm saying. Behemoth. There and shit are like a that. lot of bands and Dark out Front. there. Yeah. But I'll never be like, yeah, dude, I fucking love black metal. Yeah. Black that, metal is But I'm saying, I'll, I'll catch some people. Like I, I'm one of those dudes where I'll be sitting in class or I'll be sitting in somewhere and I'll overhear like, oh, did you hear that new Behemoth album that came out? Like it's real like like quiet, but I'm listening. That's funny. And then, uh, you know, somehow I slipped my way into the conversation. <laughs> Shame them into listening to Burzum. I remember when I first started my job, um, <clears throat> the the dude that was working in the shop, um, he would always listen to like. You know, like shit he thought was like heavy. Like he like listened, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of like in like particular bands, like I'm just gonna put the blanket out there, like alternative press type bands. But like not really alternative press, like maybe like uh I'm trying to think of like in particular certain bands, but I can't think of anything. However, I do remember him listening to Shine Down like a lot. Oh. Like loved Shine Down and yes. shit like that. Was he one of those ones where you heard Simple Man and yeah, and it had to be like, his wedding is, song yeah. and shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um like he like, you know, he'd be listening to that shit, then all of a sudden, like, you know, some like goofy, like post hardcore shit would come on or you know, shit that was like intentionally trying to be like heavy, but he was playing it like like an obscene like volume, so people thought he was edgy. And then one day he like came at me. He came at me one day because I had mentioned something about, I think it was like Children of Bodom or Cannibal Corpse or some shit. And he's like, uh, he's like, you don't even listen to fucking heavy music. You don't even, if, if you don't know what the fuck this is, you don't listen to anything. I was like, listen, bitch. I said, I've heard, I said, I've listened to bands from countries you've never even heard of. That's like the same thing with the Ramstein <clears throat> Slipknot fans. Yes. That is the heaviest shit to exactly. ever land on planet dude, Earth. I, dude, I fucking pull out everything. I was like, you've ever heard of fucking Cannibal Corpse? You ever heard of Death? Here's Old Man's Child. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Old Man's Child. That's I said that too. I was like, one. you ever hear Old Man's Child? Um, what were, uh, Dude, this like I'm talking like six years ago at this point, but dude, I fucking just let loose. And um, he fucking shut the fuck up and he went back to work. <laughs> I mean, this is, the, but that's it though. That's yeah. it. And you know what's, it's sad too because, um, my fiance, I, I made her into a monster. <laughs> I she was very I don't want to use the word ignorant, but interested, I guess, in the metal genre. Yeah. To like explore and branch. And I got her into a position where after years of being with her, now she sends me shit and it, it was progressive. Some of the stuff she's I've heard it, fucking heard it. Yeah, okay. That's classic. Should have listened yeah. to that four years ago, but whatever. And like that kept happening. Eventually she got to a point where she started sending me some shit that I never heard of. <laughs> and it was fucking awesome. But here's the thing. Now she goes to work 
And, you know, she's got the gauges like I do and just, you know, has the attitude and the music she listens to. So someone overheard her listening to um, some new band that had just come out that was like released this fucking album, uh, Two Mold specifically. This was a year or so ago. And somebody was like, oh, like, you know, heard it. And the same thing when we talk about Will, like all that music kind of sounds the same. Yeah. So this guy was like, you know, oh, so you like them? Do you like Cannibal Corpse? And like, yeah. of course, she's going to turn around and like, you know, basically saying you just recommended me the fucking Beatles of death metal. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, but she, that's what she does now, which is a problem. Like she puts herself out there to be better than anybody <laughs> that tries to bring up any music related to her. <laughs> and like I said, I created this fucking monster because... She'll like she comes at me sometimes now. Yeah. When she sends me some shit, like you ever hear this? I'm like, no, I didn't know that came out. Like, what do you mean you didn't know this came out? It's been out for three days, so you should have known this was out. I'm like, like Becky, we're not doing this shit right now because I mean, we can go back in time to where I showed you fucking you know leprosy for the first time, and you didn't even know who Chuck Shoulders' name was. (laughs) But that again, like that's the attitude of it where I try to avoid that, but sometimes I can't help myself. Can't help it. But especially on the internet. I totally refrain from it because I know it's going to go nowhere. Arguing with strangers on the internet is a pastime that people need to let go eventually because it's just, it's, it's yeah. like wasted efforts. It's just so, it's more fun to watch it happen than to be involved in it, obviously. Yeah. But you shouldn't let it get to that point to begin with. No. Because it was great. Like I said a couple things and I stopped and I kept getting notifications because then everybody was arguing amongst themselves. It was like I started a fist fight with somebody and, you know, that guy threw a plate at a dude over my head and then those two guys started fighting and then it became this, like, goofy cartoon scenario yeah. where the big cloud bubble comes up when they all roll into each other. That's funny. Um, and then he goes and likes your post on our Facebook. Yeah, or and then our, it was a total Instagram. 180 on it where, um, like I said, I just got to see it come full circle because I totally had forgot that I recommended that song and that album and the fact yeah, that it was that just coincidental. Happened. Yeah, because it was already recorded. It was coming out, and then two days before the episode dropped, that you know incident occurred, and it, just, it was so funny because it just reminded me of like sometimes I'm a fucking asshole like that too. <laughs> and luckily, I don't do it on the internet. I try to be there in person to have those types of moments. Yeah, so we exactly. Can come to a resolution. Um, it but, doesn't take much. It, it it takes a lot for you to call me. Be, like due to certain situations when you called me over that I was like oh my god yeah dude because it, was, it, it just <laughs> baffled me that I got into an argument trying to just justify that acid bath was underrated yeah. as an acid bath fan that means that you're satisfied with their place in the metal exactly. industry that you can't say that they're overrated that your mom knows Nickelback and also acid bath you're an Acid Bath fan page. You've probably been listening to it since you were 14, so your mom was forced to listen to when the kite string pops while she cleaned the fucking dishes in between fucking Nickelback tunes. So that's not any type of fucking empirical evidence to say, oh, well, your mom knows them, so. You know, uh, you know how many times my mom was forced to listen to Job for a Cowboy? That's what I'm saying. So your mom, you know, if she could put two and two together, eventually say, oh, I've listened to that band before. Oh, guess exactly. they're not underrated because she knows job for a cowboy. My mom knows it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I think the elitist culture, it's its a very fucking slippery slope. Oh, yeah. Because I've been turned off to a lot of shit. And we go back to that whole toxic fan base mm-hmm. episode that we did. I've been turned off to a lot of shit just doing part of assholes, like shoving it down your throat, trying to make you fucking feel shameful for not listening yep. to it. Then it makes you resent it. Exactly. You know, it's the same thing, like you said, with the Wu-Tang thing. You got pushed into it in such a direction that, you know, now you're upset and pissed to feel guilty for not liking it. Which yeah, like I'm sitting there like, I don't even be. like fucking hip-hop now, apparently. Yeah, now it's like, yeah. Oh, you don't like that album? You don't listen to rap. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, I know a guy, very credible in his hip-hop stance. He posted his top 10 albums. Not one Tupac album made the top 10. Really? But his 10 albums that he picked were phenomenal. But there was no Tupac album on it, and he got like crucified for it. You know, that's that's what I'm talking about. It's that type of shit, dude. It's the way I say everything about music, and you know, even on this podcast, it's all up to interpretation. It's however it's, that's you interpret what it is. That's the point. Exactly. Of you go into a museum, you see some fucking splatter paint bullshit, and somebody sees the fucking you look at a Jackson you Pollock know, paint, Truth of God, in there, and some other guys exactly. like my fucking four year old could have done this. Even like, um, what fucking show was that? Oh, Parks and Recreation. When Tom Haverford buys the fucking piece of art yeah, for yeah. the city mural. Yeah. And he's like, and I forget what happens to it. And he's like, make me another one. Yeah. I don't feel anything from this one. Here's another 20. What was that scene in Beverly Hills Cop? 
when he goes into the art museum and then the guy, the, the, oh, you yeah. know, the flamboyant, though, he's like, this one's sold for $30 million. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, you know, the, like that shit, that's how it is. It's yeah. all up for interpretation. And because of fan bases and because of elitism. Elitism. Not titism. Elitism. Right? Elitism. Elitism. Because of elitism, it makes it so fucking volatile that. You know, yeah, it makes certain genres and especially subgenres alike mm-hmm. just difficult to enjoy. And again, like I said, the whole wearing the t-shirt thing, not knowing them at all—that shit's got to go. But if you got the shirt on, you know a couple tunes, you you've listened to the band, you're trying to get into them. All the power to you. Exactly, that's what needs to happen. And if we need more fans of music, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. And don't debate if a band's underrated. Because that's bullshit. If you're saying a band's not underrated, you're basically just saying that they are where they should be. And I'm going out on a fucking firm limb here to say Acid Bath <laughs> is fucking underrated, dude. Like, you know, that's by what I'm far. going to name this episode, you know, by the way. Right. Acid Bath is underrated. Perfect. Because that dude's going to look it up. I fucking hope so. It'll get posted on the page. Yeah. And that'll be the first thing. You're going to tag it in there. He's a fucking fan club. It's going to pop up. He's going to listen to it. I He's hope gonna know he that fucking this is you. does, dude. You got anything you want to say to him? Listen, bud, there's no hard hold feelings. On, on. Yeah, here's the truth tree moment. Cause yeah. he, cause this truth is- tree moment, there are no hard feelings between the um, verbal communication we had on the Bad MS Paint Metal Albums page, I guess it was, on Acid Bath's second album. You'll know what I'm talking about. This will all start ringing a bell. There are no hard feelings. However, I'm standing by my stance that regardless of that individual saying that Nickelback and Acid Bath somehow correlate Hasabath is firmly underrated in my book. I know that you're a fan page. I know that you love the band with all your heart, but Acid Bath deserves more attention. Ask not what Acid Bath can do for you. Ask what you can do for Acid Bath. So, you can always turn to Rage Against the Mainstream podcast for elitism-free music reviews and music history and pop culture references. We won't shame you. We don't shame nobody here. You know, because as much of like an 80s hair metal fan that I am, I can guarantee you there's probably some dude out there that would rip on me all fucking day. Nobody here will make you hum a song to prove that you love it. Exactly. Yes. But... <laughs> If you do want us to criticize your music tastes, you want to criticize us. Whatever. Doesn't matter. We're open. We are open. Facebook.com slash R-A-T-M podcast. Instagram and Twitter at R-A-T-M podcast. And as always, our email, R-A-T-M podcast at gmail.com. But until then, let's get into our suggestions for the week. My suggestion for this week is based off my new and interesting uh, the band is Mammoth WVH. The new single is You're to Blame. Nice. Like we were saying before, if you're looking for Van Halen, you're not going to get it here. Um, however, if you're looking for something that sounds like Alter Bridge and kind of in that ballpark of like new mainstream rock, this is the song that you're looking for. Wolfgang Van Halen, as we had a lengthy discussion about him earlier in the show, uh, great vocalist, great songwriter. Um, what people need to know is if you're going into this listening, this album was completely written 100% by him and he played every instrument, including singing on all, all these tracks. Um, the album comes out in April and as these songs start coming out and if they're good enough, which they probably will be to kind of, you know, weed out all the elitism, <laughs> I'll be recommending them as they come out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you got for us this week, Steve? Uh, so my recommendation is going to be the 1995 release by Doom Pioneers Cathedral, the Carnival Bazaar. Um, we just started to talk about them. The singer who did a few albums with Napalm Death okay, yeah, started yeah, yeah. his band. In their first couple albums, he still had the guttural vocals, and then he went to a very clean style that you would not have expected from the guy who did From Enslavement, uh, from Enslavement to Obliteration, the yeah. second Napalm Death album. Um, but the album, The Carnival Bazaar, their other first two works, because this is their third release, are all staples of the doom metal genre. Um, the song I'm choosing is track two, Hopkins, The Witch Finder General. Nice. Great song. Awesome. Our group suggestion for this week is the uh, December 3rd, 2020 released Frank Marshall documentary, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? This is a documentary about the Bee Gees. 
as fucking hit machines, dude. Beyond hit machines. As you remember, we had talked about them at length on our greatest harmonies episodes. They might have have they might have the greatest harmonies of all time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, them and Alice in Chains would be definitely a pound for pound matchup. Yeah, would be one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Because just overall quality and consistency. Oh fuck yeah! yeah. But the Bee Gees are. Now this is going to be new for us too because we have yet to see it because this literally just came out. Yeah, December. And it was on HBO, and we don't pay. Not many people have. Yeah. However, it is on Hulu. Water Twig. Water Twig. And Hulu. Hulu, I think it's with the HBO extension. Oh, what it's the a fuck, premium man? Subscription. All right, well. Water Twig. Yeah, we'll get the Water Twig with the Lodi. Lodi. Because I believe there's a new update available for those of you that uh, use it. The Water Twig and Lodi. <laughs> yes. But until then, this is another episode of Raging and Mainstream Podcast. We have a fucking like, synapse burst in your brain there. Dude, one of these times, I'm, I'm just going to like sit and like, how long can I do it for? But this is Regis. <laughs> this has been another episode of Regis Mainstream Podcast for the books. Like I said before, you can always find us on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast, Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. Hit us up on our email, RATM Podcast at gmail.com. Only fans coming soon. Yes. I keep saying this every episode. One of these times, I, it's gonna I, be I, common. Yeah, dude. it's gonna happen. It's gonna, yeah. But until then, this is Radiance Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening.